All right. Well, good morning once again. It was a good morning the first time I told you, and it's still good, right? Have you seen these copiers in business centers now? We, we have one here at the church, and they are amazing now. They look like rocket ships are going to take off or something. I mean, they can. It used to be that you would you put a piece of paper and push a button, and a copy would come. Now these things, these, these machines can do all kinds of stuff. They can make you coffee. They can give you a pedicure. Have you ever stuck your foot in one of those copiers? They come out great. Any of you guys done that? Male pedicures haven't quite made it to Hendersonville yet, Tennessee. How many thank God for that? All right? So th- these copy machines are, are, are amazing, amazing machines. And, and uh, one of these years, we, we had one that was new, and I had been part of training I didn't really want to be part of training because that meant I'd be responsible um, if something went wrong. But I was. And one morning, some of the ladies who work here with our child care, they're, they're messing with the machine. And, and they can't figure out how to use it. So I thought, as God's man of power and faith who is trained on this machine, it's time for me to assert, uh, assert my servant heart. I came around the corner. I said, ladies, I got this taken care of. I can do this. And I start pushing buttons. I start pushing buttons and nothing's happening. And I'm thinking, well, you know, this, this, surely I start thinking of my training. What happened? What in the world happened? And I couldn't figure out how to do it. And then finally someone said, oh, Aaron, I, I, I don't think it's plugged in. <laughs> I felt like such a dork, you know, after my pride coming in. Like, I got it, ladies. I can run this copy machine. Wasn't even plugged in. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit for a few minutes this morning, and then we're also going to talk about the Holy Spirit Monday night, and then we're going to have a worship and a chance to be filled with the Holy Spirit Tuesday night. And just so you know, child care is going to be provided for your little ones, and the staff said, we can't do that because people have to register, so I'm just taking a risk. So if some of you young moms don't show up Monday or Tuesday, then you know it's going to be on me to waste some of the Lord's money. So uh, last time we did a Holy Spirit seminar, you're like, there's no child care. There is now. I'm not even making you register. Just bring your kids and learn about the Holy Spirit. But we are well-trained people, and we have a religious orientation, and, and sometimes we have skills to live for the Lord, but we're like that machine. We have all of the material we need and the intellect we need, but we just don't have the power. What is the power? The power is the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I want you to know him. I want you to know him. I want you to feel him. I want you to understand him. I'm not trying to get you to be a certain type of person, a certain type of Christian. I'm not trying to get you to do something. I'm just like saying, hey, here's this person and he is a person. He's not an it. Uh, he, the Holy Spirit, the expression of God. Jesus said, listen, I'm going up to heaven. And it's actually better for you because the Holy Spirit's going to come down upon you, within you, around you. And, and I certainly feel the Holy Spirit when we're gathered. And I want all of us to know the Holy Spirit, not just at church services, but to know that the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. So our, our passage today, we're going to look in Acts uh, chapter 1, and Pastor Greg already read that. And I want you to notice, first of all, we'll put verse 1 up. 
First of all, in case you didn't know this, the book of Acts is a continuation of the book of Luke. Now, I don't know why the Bible was, I do know why it was organized the way it was, but uh, that's not really for today. But it's, let's put it this way, the, 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 the Bible's not necessarily organized in the way that we think. And I would think that Luke would go straight into Acts. And when I read the Bible, I try to do that. I try to, when I finish a Luke, I try to go to Acts because it is one narrative. So he said, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus. The first narrative was what? Oh, thank you. Thank you. The Pastor Deborah, thank you for listening. So that's great. Yeah, just, you know, the, fir- the first one was a book of Luke. I-, I decided to fill in the blanks. I just felt like we're going to take a week off because it's like mindlessly fill in the blanks. So like, we're going to make you think. You actually have to listen today, okay? So here we go. It's a continuation of the book of Acts. It's the book of Luke. And I want you to notice this. It says, Jesus. Be- this is Jesus after he was resurrected. So it's pretty important to think Jesus is is, has completed his mission and has inaugurated the kingdom of God. Like, what kind of stuff would Jesus do? What kind of stuff would Jesus do? Would he go to Disney World? Or would, he, would he travel? Would he show off? No, this is what Jesus did. And, and keep that up to the screen, please. Uh, Jesus, because I forgot what Jesus did. Now it's on the screen. Now I can remember again. Um, he began to do and he began to teach. He began to teach. Jesus, remember, is a rabbi. Until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostle he had chosen. Now let's go on to verse three. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and look at this phrase, speaking about the kingdom of God. So we have to see that Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, keeps teaching, and Jesus keeps teaching us. So as a faith community, I want you to understand that the teaching of God's word is crucial for us to be Jesus' people. So teaching is not just something we do in order to have things like potlucks and fall retreats and stuff like that. Those things, teach, those things are important, but teaching is center to it. Because here's what happens if you don't have good teaching. If you don't have good teaching, you, 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 you can become one of two extremes. You can become legalist, like you start trying to make up all of these rules to see who's part of the inside crowd, who's part of the outside crowd. And God's people, we've been legalists from the beginning, and we can easily become legalists again. So, so it can easily happen that way. Or if you don't have the teaching of God's word, you can become humanist. And humanists are like, man is the measure, and so let's, you know, let's just inspire people. Let's sing Tim McGraw's, uh, Tim McGraw's, I don't even know his name right. Let's, let's do a whole service around uh, uh, the skydiving song, you know? <laughs> a very humanistic principle. It's not bad, but it's not what we're called to do. Scripture calls us to look to eternity. I loved, love, love uh, the movie The Greatest Showman. That was a fun, great, humanistic movie. It was awesome. It was very inspirational. Art is very inspirational. Art kind of comes from God. But, um, you know, I don't need necessarily to have a, uh, a vacation Bible school based off the greatest story movie. Is that the name of the movie? That, there was a movie like that in the 80s, uh, the, the Greatest Showman movie, and, and, and attach my kids' hearts to, the, to that movie again and just throw in a little bit of Jesus. So I'm not saying people have done that. That was their heart or intent. I'm just saying that the centrality of, of Jesus' people is the teaching of God's word the preaching of God's word. 
And so in, in our fifth and sixth grade, fourth through sixth grade, third through fifth grade, so we've, we've done all those combinations, but now it is third through fifth grade. You just, I just went through a history of children's ministry in our church, just like that. Like in our third through fifth grade, Pastor Chip and his team teaches the Bible. Teaches the Bible. Now they have fun and they want to have fun. But do you understand the centrality of our faith? Like teaching the scripture is so important. And, and, and here, here, guys, this is what, what we want to do in all of our environments is we want to be people who teach the scripture because Jesus was one who taught the, the scripture. Now, you also can get a kind of Christianized version of new age mysticism if you don't teach the scripture. So like if we have like, if we're like a gathering of people like, ooh, we have these experiences. Whoo, that was good. And that was good. The, the music was good and the preaching was passionate and God was there and that was so good. But if there's no scripture, if there's no teaching, what we have is, is, I know this from being in youth ministry, we had a lot of kids in our youth ministry who felt this experience but didn't know the God whom the experience was for. And that, that is why the integration of scripture through worship is so crucial because people will engage in worship now, engage their emotions, engage even their bodies, they'll lift their hands in worship and they won't even know who they're worshiping. It's no different than a, a song from, uh, from culture if scripture's not included. That's why the prayers that we pray together, the prayers that are common prayers, prayers together that just don't come from our imaginations or based from scriptures center us on who we're worshiping. It's just not what we feel, it's who we worship. Are you with me on that? And th this is why this is important. So Jesus, the resurrected one, he taught the scripture. He was a scripture. I mean, he taught the word and he taught about the kingdom of God and he embodied the work of God and, and he gave many convincing proofs, but how many know that the convincing proofs in the Bible, all of signs and wonders bring people back to the gospel? Okay, the gospel doesn't lead you to signs and wonders. The signs and wonders lead you to the gospel. Signs and wonders bring people to what really matters, which is the revelation of God through the scripture. Let's look at verse four. So while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you've heard me speak about this because Jesus talked all about the Holy Spirit through the Gospels. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are, are you restoring the kingdom of God to Israel at this time? We'll get back to that in a second. But stopping there with verse five, Jesus here said to the people, hey, let's wait. I want you to wait for what I promised. And talking about the Holy Spirit, this is what happens scripturally. We won't do a whole survey of that. We know that God's people waited for God's gift. In the day of Pentecost on Acts chapter two, and there was this element of waiting. And sometimes that's what it's like for, for us. So some of you have been waiting for more power in your life and you've been waiting for God to break through and you've been waiting for experiences with the Lord. And, and there could be all kinds of reasons why uh, that curiosity hasn't been satisfied yet, but it could be that God is just saying, I want you to wait and I want you to go through a process for a reason. But it's not always that way because throughout the book of Acts, afterwards, immediately, people were, were filled with the Holy Spirit, had experiences with the Holy Spirit. So some people waited and some people were filled instantly. 
Is there a pattern there? Not really, but we could, we could try to, um, I don't know, we could try to con- con- come with a conclusion. So here's a theory that I have. Um, all the Jews who were assembled in Acts chapter 2 were religious people. They, they were religious people that observed observed religion. And that's kind of how we are here in the Southeast. We're mostly religious people. I mean, either we're religious people or we're religious people who are turning away from God for our college and early adult years. And then we come back to God when we have kids. That's just pretty much how it works out. So, and thank God for grace, right? Thank God those patterns, uh, there's good to them. So, so these religious people in Acts chapter two had all of this religious mindset to work through before they could receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And as I see a lot of us, a lot of us have just like a lot of religious clutter, Christian clutter that keeps us from receiving the Holy Spirit. But often when you, when people are saved overseas or in our prisons or in our drug rehabilitation centers and people are told about the Holy Spirit, it's like, I'll take them. I'll take them, the Holy Spirit. But those of us who have been Sunday school, we're like, I don't know about that. I'm a little scared of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not trying to mock that because it's, it's a real phobia, I guess. It's not a God-given one. So, so th- this, is, this is an experience a lot, of, a lot of us have. Let's go on to verse, verse 5 again. Ver, ver, back to verse 5 then. It says, uh, for John baptized with water, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. And so they asked him this question, verse 6. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? How many of that people are always curious about God's timeline? And that's why there's, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but there's silly things like a few years ago, the blood moons. And if you don't know what that is, praise God for that. There's People have been trying to predicting the coming of the Lord forever. And so they're, they're saying this, Lord, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom? Lord, give me your secret code. Are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to bring back the kingdom here? I love Jesus' response in verse 7. Look at verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Now, how many, isn't that great? Jesus said, hey, it's none of your business. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So go about living your life for me. Go about showing my love to the world. Go about showing people who I am. And don't worry about the end of the world. Worry about how you're living in the world that's around you today. This this is the heart of God. Jesus said, it's it's really not for you to know. I love that. It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. It's for you to live. It's not for you to know. It's for you to love. We know this. Jesus is coming back. And we have things to do before he comes back. And so as, as, as we reflect on that, we need to know that Jesus chooses what we need to know. Because he calls us then not to be prognosticators, not to be those who try to predict the future, not, not to be those who celebrate the destruction of humanity. It's like, God's going to bring his wrath and I can't wait because I'm saved and I'm predicting it right now. Said Jesus gives us another way to live. Look at verse eight. He said, instead of trying to predict the future and try to know when the kingdom's going to come, instead, you will receive power. It's the word dunamis. 
when the Holy Spirit has come on you. You're, you're going to be like that machine that is plugged in. You know, you're going to have these functioning parts that haven't been operating like they're supposed to. And the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to bring you power. And he's going to make all of the things that God designed, he's going to make those things work better uh, because the Holy Spirit power can do through you what you can't do for yourself. And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's, let's talk about power because I want to tell you this scripture used to make me nervous. Not the power part as much, but the witnessing part. The word witnessing was a scary, scary word to me because I went through classes on how to witness and God uses those classes. And, you know, I don't want to be this person who said I've done, every, I've done everything uh, because it, no one likes to know it all. But I've gone door to door. I've passed out tracts in the mall. I have had the Evangel Cube. It's like a cube that shows people the gospel. I've had the beads on my wrist. I've had about every method that we used to call witnessing. And let me tell you about the worst method ever. And I, I said, this is just, just terrible. I'm embarrassed to tell you the story, but you're gonna, I think you're going to laugh. Um, our youth pastor, you know, and pastor, great guys, you know, they're like, we got to be his witnesses. We've got God's power. We've got to be his witnesses. So this Friday night, it was in the winter, we are going to go witness at the movie theater. And I didn't really want to do it, but I love the Bible and I love God and I love the Holy Spirit and Jesus has called me to be a witness. So I decided to go along. And so they created this, what they did is they put in the, the back of a pickup truck a, a coffin. And they drove up to the front of the movie theater. And it's like, here's a GMC truck with a coffin in the back. I mean, people are in line to get their tickets, you know. It's like, what's going on? And so a crowd gathers. And right when the crowd gathered and they were like, what's going on with this coffin? All of a sudden, the coffin lid opens up and someone with red makeup goes, ah, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't love Jesus. They didn't say those words, but that's what they were communicating with the little pieces of paper we were passing out. And I was like, oh Lord, if you ever answered a prayer, don't let any of my friends see me standing near this truck. I mean, that's when following the Bible is really hard. So that word witness, and let's put verse eight back up again. That word witness carries a lot of baggage for me and a lot of pressure. Um, one time I put white makeup on my face and did a mime in Boston. Me, like I was doing this stuff, you know, Jesus in his heart and the cross. Yes. Because I wanted to be a witness. It was embarrassing, guys. Then a bunch of us, Texans, we did, a, we did a rap with a B-box in the Boston subway. People are like, it was like DC Talk 1990 version. Man, this is like group therapy right now. I didn't really know all this was going to come out of my heart like it is. But that word witness, I now have discovered what it really means. It doesn't mean all of the stuff that we did in the 90s. It means one who points to God. The one that points to God. 
and just say that's God and that's what we are when we gather here at the church and that's what we do when we live our life for God and we point to God through our actions and through our love and through our kindness and we point to God with our words sometimes because we, do, we don't just need to be those people who say we're gonna be good people and never stand up for God. We just keep pointing to God and, and we, we point to him and we're his witness and we need his power to do that. We need his power. We, we point to God and we keep pointing out who he is and that's what the power of God in your life is. And that's the power of God that helps you move on when you want to quit. See, I know a lot of you want to quit today. You want to quit, but you're good people, so you're at church today. We are being suffocated in this generation by anxiety. We just, we just have so much anxiety, and I feel, feel so much compassion for you guys who are under anxiety. And... This is something the Lord has blessed me with um, that, that I don't often get anxious. And I just say that um, because I'm, I'm lucky, okay? I'm blessed, I'm blessed, okay? So I don't say that. I'm just saying that there's been times in my life I haven't understood anxiety. And I had a, I had a situation recently where I, I felt some, some anxiety and I was like, okay, Lord, this doesn't feel right. This isn't me. I actually, maybe my pride says I'm not one who has anxiety, and, and, and I had trouble sleeping, and then I even had trouble reading my Bible, I had trouble praying, um, and, and I was able to calm myself down. And I felt like the Lord did that so as a pastor I can understand uh, what some of you guys go through, and, and so I won't just be like, hey, just work yourself out of it, you know? I mean, it's not that easy, is it? But I'll tell you what did happen to me. I'll tell you what did happen to me. I was at a, a church service where um, I wasn't in charge, I wasn't preaching, I wasn't leading the singing, and um, and I was feeling I was feeling that anxiety, and um, the the guy running the service said, "Hey, I want you to get in groups and pray for each other." So I did that with three or four people, and I started feeling a, a, an emotional release, and then um, they invited, they actually asked, "Are there any pastors here today? Would you raise your hand?" And they invited. Um, people to pray for pastors and I was one of those and uh, the power of the Holy Spirit broke that off of me okay and I know I, I know that it doesn't it's not always that easy and I'm not trying to suggest that but I, I want to suggest to you guys that there is a power available to you and I don't want you to be to avoid it or be scared of it I, I grew up and, and thank you guys for coming up. I told them, I gave them a time stamp to come up because I want to start preaching shorter. People just say, no, preach longer, preach longer. But all those people left our church anyway. So I'm going to go ahead and preach at 22 minutes. <laughs> they found some church where someone preaches an hour. That's one good thing about me visiting 13 churches this summer. I figured out us preachers, we preach way too long. So I told Pastor Aubrey, 22 minutes, come up, man. Let's see how it works. <laughs> I used to hate tomatoes. Uh, I had a phobia of them when I was a kid. If tomato was on my food, I wouldn't eat it. If there was tomato residue on my food, I wouldn't eat it. If there was tomato on the plate, I wanted to send it back. If there was a tomato on the other side of the table, I was scared of the tomato. And then one day I was, I was at a, as a, as a kid, I was like fifth grader, and I was with my cousin who I just adore. I just looked up to him so much, and my food came out, and there was tomato in it. And he just said, 
Aaron, it's no big deal. You won't even hardly taste it. Just eat it. And I ate whatever that food was, and I've been eating tomatoes ever since. So some of us, we have this phobia about the Holy Spirit. But it's like, God, I don't want that. I don't want to be around it. I don't want it on my plate. I don't even want it on the other side of the table. And it's good for you. He's good for you. He's good for you. The Holy Spirit's good for you. And uh, Jesus said, listen, if you ask for a fish, I'm not going to give you a snake. If you ask for a fish, I'm not going to give you a scorpion. And so, like, in this age of anxiety that we're, so we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit. So tomorrow night, this is what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to just teach a little bit. I love teaching on the Holy Spirit. And uh, last time we did this, we had like 50 to 80 people here. I don't know, tomorrow night we might only have three of us, two of us. I hope we have more. And, and it's just going to be all teaching tomorrow night. And I know some of you are involved in Veritas, and we understand that. You just need to be faithful to those classes. And then Tuesday night, we're going to have a time where we're just going to have some worship, pray for people to receive the fullness of the Spirit. And we'll explain more about what that's like. And uh, maybe if you can only come to one night, come to one of the two, that's cool. But um, we just want to offer that, offer that to you. And so there's never a good time, you know, to put that. And so we just want to offer that to to those who can come because uh, I'm not trying to make you be something. I'm not trying to um, have some kind of benchmark for you to reach so you can be a leader. It's nothing like that. Just like there's this gift. It's the Holy Spirit. And it's for all of us. It's for every Christian. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. All of you have the Holy Spirit if you have Jesus, but it's just like opening up your heart to all of what the Spirit has. We're going to move towards communion at this time. And one of the things that happens, one of the reasons why, um, you know, we, we don't want to preach right to the edge of service is because we want time for ministry here. And part of ministry, we go to the Lord's table and it is a catalyst for us to confess our sins to the Lord. And um, when we come together as God's people, we realize we live in a, a sinful world. We're like Isaiah who said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And I, you know, I feel that way too. It's like, you know, even if you have like the best week of quiet times, just living life, you just, you can't help but be affected by um, the sin that's so prevalent in the world. And that, that's okay because we have Jesus who says, come on, bring, bring your sins to me, bring your heart to me. And this is what church is, guys. I want us to be a spiritual family, a spiritual family who's saying, hey, we're coming here, we're gathered here together because we want to go somewhere with the Lord together. And, you know, I don't want you guys, I don't know anyone who would actually do this, but I don't want you to just like come to hear me preach or come to hear Aubrey sing. I, I hope God uses us but I hope that we're this family, you know, we're this family that says we don't have it all together, but we serve the God who accepts us over and over again every single time. So there's this prayer of confession that I, I've been praying every day, oh, for about a month or so. And, and I want us, I want you to read it silently while I read it. And then, then we're going to use it as our confession as we go to communion. It says, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. We've been talking about that a lot. Let heaven come to earth. Then here's the heart of the confession. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is us acknowledging that we have to have Jesus, right? We have to have him. I mean, he, he's the, the table of the Lord is the center of our service because Jesus is the center of our faith. And so we, we go to the table of the Lord fully trusting, fully depending upon Jesus and then, 
as we talked about the Holy Spirit today. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me in all the world. So this is a, a prayer that's helped me confess my sins to the Lord in a way that is hopeful, in a way that is including the whole Trinity. You see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all participating in the work of the Lord, preparing my heart um, for his cleansing and also letting me know I'm part of this great story of him redeeming the earth. Let's stand together. Now that, now that you've, uh, you're standing, can we just um, close our eyes and just take a moment to examine your heart? Father, root out the sin that so easily lingers. Root out the idolatry. Root out the spirit of adultery. Both idolatry and adultery, Lord, it doesn't belong. Lord, root out greed, God, like greed. Let a lack of kindness. Some of us have just been unkind. You've just been unkind and you don't think that's a big deal. But the, the Holy Spirit's saying, yeah, it's a big deal to me. It's a big deal. We're inviting people into the family of God. And so kindness is part of the work of the Spirit because the word kind comes from the word kin. It means you're treating people like family. That means the, the people who mess up your plans. You gotta treat them like a father. You gotta treat them like a mother. You gotta treat them like a brother. This is, this is the kindness of the Lord. How many know that this is, the family of God is ever expanding and we're, we're one that witnesses the family of God. We say, here's the family of God. Here's God. Here's the family of God. I'll treat you like a brother. I'll treat you like a sister. I'll treat you like a daughter. I'll treat you like a son. I'll treat you like a father. Kindness really matters to the Lord. examine our hearts those specific sins that God may be telling you about or reminding you about just turn them over to the Lord right now turn them over to the Lord right now so now before we go to the table of the Lord if you want to look on the screen let's pray this confession together Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all the world. As Pastor Aubrey leads us in worship, we're going to open the table of the Lord. I'll be serving uh, the by intention today, which means you can take the bread and dip it in the cup or to your left or to your right. You can take communion. Also in the back, there's communion stations and you can take the bread and cup and I won't give further instructions on this Sunday, but you can partake of that when your heart's ready if you choose to. Sometimes Christians choose not to and that's okay. You don't, you don't have to feel obligated, but you're welcome. Every single person is welcome to the table of the Lord. And then if you want to, if you want to, pray with uh, someone near you, feel free to do that. And we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit just to, to come. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to just 
envelop us and, and speak to us. He's already speaking to us um, through the word, through worship, through the Lord's table. So Father, we dedicate these elements to you. They're symbolic, but they're powerful. Thank you that your presence, your presence is here with us, Father. Glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The table of the Lord is now open. Let's spend some time with him.